Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we are doing a series, a couple of weeks series called Save Our Souls. And the idea behind this series is that you are made up of three parts. You have a body, which is what you look like to other people. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your character, that inner part of you. And then you have a spirit, which is the part that God indwells and makes alive and which is going to live forever. The soul is in between the spirit and the body. It's a bit of a mixture of both. And the idea behind this series is that your soul needs to be saved in order for you to enjoy and see all the benefits that God has for you. We have our spirit saved when we cry out to God. When we get born again, we say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Your spirit is made brand new, as perfect as Jesus. It'll never get more saved than it is then. But your soul doesn't get saved immediately. It's a process. And it's something that's so close to my heart. As a parent, I have three children. As a pastor, as a friend of many Christians, I see the fact that people's souls haven't been developed. And so all this life and power and miracle ability within them doesn't benefit them because their soul is still immature, unsaved, worldly, carnal, looking at their flesh for guidance instead of looking at their spirit, not like Jesus, just like they were before they were Christians. And so as a parent, my job is to develop my children's souls. My little boy, Grant, he's not little anymore. He's over six foot and he's 17 and he's hairy and all that kind of stuff. And he's in France at the moment on a five-day school trip. They went to learn to speak French. And so him and 12 other guys went to Paris for the weekend. And me as a parent, I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, what's going on with my boy? I hope he's okay. I hope he's not in trouble. I hope everything's going well. I hope it's all fine. And I'm thinking about him all the time. And I suddenly realized that's the way God feels about me but it's not my spirit he's worried about. My spirit is sealed and perfect. It's completely righteous. God's not worried about my spirit. My body, to a degree, is worried. But if my body dies, I've got to be with him. It's my soul that God's worried about. And I'm worried about my children's soul. I should be worried about my own soul and other Christian brothers and sisters' souls. Our souls are so precious to God. And it's the difference, I honestly believe this, between a life of victory, joy, peace, the power of God, enjoying God's healing, His forgiveness, His blessing. It's the difference between that and living a life of confusion, sadness, worry, fear, pain, because our souls are in different levels of maturity. Does that make sense? And so save our souls, the idea behind this series, is just to say, how do we go about this process of getting my soul to be like Jesus? How do I do it? Do I obey a whole lot of rules? Do I have to follow a whole lot of religious ideas? Or, or do I just pray for God to just zap me and suddenly my soul is made miraculously? How do I do this? And the Bible has some wonderful guidance for us on how we, how we get our souls saved. So, the verse that we're using, the main verse is 3 John 1 verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may be in health and, and prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. 
Could you imagine God looking down at you? You're precious to him. You're his child. He says, I've put my heaven inside of you. Everything you need. All the healing, all the forgiveness, all the blessing, all the power of heaven. You are seated in heavenly places with me in your spirit. But your soul, my child, <laughs> you're not enjoying the health of the Lord. You're not enjoying the forgiveness, the peace, the joy, the blessing, the happiness, the strength, the ability to overcome hardship. And it's just because this thing called your soul is not, it's not grown up. It's like a little child. So we looked last week at how David, he says, I've, I've weaned and quieted my soul. I've trained my soul like a little child so that I can enjoy God's blessings. And we looked at how David did that. And I encourage you to listen to last week's talk. But this week, I just want to look at a couple of other concepts. And I really hope I manage to get through all of it today. If I don't, we'll have to try and do it another time. But the first is like a seed implanted. James chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, Therefore lay aside all the filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word... That word implanted sounds like a seed, doesn't it? Implant, it gives the idea of a seed being planted in, a, in ground so that it's properly planted and so that it can bear fruit and, and grow. So he says, receive with humility or meekness. Humility, meekness. Imagine yourself there, not striving, not trying to do it, but just receiving with humility. The implanted word which is able to save your soul. And he's talking to Christians. A couple of verses before, he's, he's spoken of them as being born again. So their spirits are saved. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. A brand new creation. They are bound for heaven. If they were to die, they would go to heaven immediately. But he says, your souls aren't saved. My brothers and sisters here today, are your, how saved are your souls? <laughs> how saved is your soul? How mature is your soul? How grown up? Is it still a child? that cries, Wah! and it just demands immediate change or immediate something, attention. Little baby who cries there. All they know is when I cry, mommy will come and give me food or change my nappy or whatever it is. Sometimes our souls are like that. And we can have been Christians for many years, but our souls have never been changed or saved. How saved is your soul? All right. So let's look at this. He talks about... The implanted word, we spoke about the soul being your mind, your will, and your emotions. Do you remember that? I don't have time to go over it all again, but last week we spoke about that. And your emotions are really just the children of your soul. Your mind and your will are the mom and dad, and your emotions just follow along. That's how they're designed to be. They follow wherever your mind and will take, take them. But often, we, because of the way the world has taught us, we just think, if I feel something, if my emotions scream, then that's me, and I must do it. And actually, we need to learn to train ourselves. But how do we do that? And he says, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So I'm going to talk about two things today. I'm going to talk about how to get the implanted word to save our souls. And then secondly, if I have time, I'm going to talk about how the shepherd, the good shepherd, restores our souls. And I really pray, because this is the last talk we're doing in this series, I'm really praying for a, a big change in all of our hearts, in mine as well. Because if I'm honest, at times my soul is 
grown up. It's like Jesus. It's full of the, the character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. At times my soul is like that. At other times it scares me what my soul does. Something happens and I see a reaction out of myself and I think, what on earth? And I realize how childish my soul really is. Do you have that? You don't have to look your hands. I know we're all like that. So, how do we receive with meekness, with humility, this implanted word that is able to save our souls? The picture is of me being a soil, a field, and the word of God comes with all its miracle power. And I, with humility, say, yes, I'm humble. I'm not judging the word. I'm not above it. I'm not cleverer than God's word. I, I humbly accept and receive it. And then I let it be implanted in me. And then it grows. And you know how a seed just grows over time? As long as there's water and light and time, the seed will grow and produce a great harvest. That's the promise of the Bible, is that if I allow God's word to just grow in me over time, it will produce the salvation of my soul. I will become like Jesus in my thoughts, in my willpower. This just occurs to me. You know, Jesus... When he got baptized in the Jordan and baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when he started doing miracles. But the character that enabled this power of God to flow through him was developed over 30 years before that. Did you know that? The miracle power came in a second. But the character that enabled him to be a vessel through which this power could flow to the world, the, the righteousness of God, the honesty, the justice, the love, the compassion, the character of God, that character is the channel through which the miracle power flowed. And that built up. The Bible says he learned obedience. This will just wrinkle your brain completely. He learned obedience by what he suffered. Jesus. If the Son of God had to learn to make his character a good vessel for which the power of God could, throw, could flow, how much more do you and I? Amen? It's a big deal, friends. Please don't think, you know, we in charismatic churches, we love the miracle, the suddenlies of God. And I love those. I love the immediatelies of God, where God comes and He changes everything and a miracle happens. But there's a place for a process of training so that the suddenly can flow through and bless me and the rest of the world. God can make you full of power in an instant. But if your character isn't like Jesus's, if you're not righteous in your soul, it, it won't get expressed to the world. You'll mess it up. <laughs> I've seen people with such gifting, they can pray for healing, they can preach a word, they can do miracles, but because their character wasn't righteous, wasn't like Jesus, it, it blew up. They couldn't use it. They couldn't bless the world because this, this channel wasn't ready. Is that okay? <laughs> it's such a big topic. You can tell that I, I really feel strongly about this one. Okay, so how do I receive the implanted word? First of all, I receive it with humility. I've got to say, Lord, I'm humble. You are God. I want your word in my heart. I've got to be the field. Do you remember Jesus told a parable about a man who found a pearl of great price in a field and he went and he sold everything and he bought the field. Part of that parable indicates that we find the pearl of great price in the field and that's partially true. But the main Meaning behind the parable is we are the field. God found a pearl of great price in us and he sold him. He gave his son's life to buy us. 
We are the field. And the first thing I need to do to receive the implanted word is say, God, I am your field. You are, you are now the owner of my life. If I don't give God control of my life, then I can't receive the implanted word. If I don't say, God, you are the boss and your way is right, even if it goes against what I think or what my family think or what the world thinks. If I don't, first of all, say, God, you're the boss, I can't receive the implanted word. Is that okay? Does that make sense? It's the first step. So if God says something that goes against your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas, your culture, your preferences, which one do you go with? Do you go with God or do you go with your preferences? That's, the, that's how you tell it. Is, is God the boss? You, know, you, don't, you don't need to know who's the boss if everything's going well and you both agree. If, if in our family we all agree about a decision, there's no need for a head of our family. Amen? It's only when there's a difference of opinion that the head of the family is needed. And it's only when my opinion differs to God that I can tell whether he's the boss. He says, this is my idea for sexuality in the world. You say, oh, I don't like that. And the culture doesn't agree. And I think this. And he says, well, am I the boss or not? Do I own your field or don't I? First step. Is that okay? Bit harsh, Greg. Can you lay off a bit? I've only got one sermon to get this out, so I'm, I can't lay off. Right, second thing. Second thing is allowing it to be implanted. So first of all, am I his field? Second thing is, do I allow the word to go in deep enough to be implanted? And if you have been in church for a while, immediately the parable of the sower will be going through your mind. Jesus said there was a man, he went out to sow seed, which is the word of God. Some seed was hard and, the, and some soil was hard and the seed didn't go in at all. And the devil came and took the word away as soon as it was sown. And that's the guy whose field is not God's. But then he said, there's a second type of soil and the seed sprung up immediately because the soil was shallow and there was no root. You can read this in Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, the parable of the soil. It's in three gospels and it's a powerful parable. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any parables. It's a big one. And he said that so the second type of soil, the seed falls and it springs up immediately because it's shallow. You know what that means? It's a person who's reacting out of emotion instead of out of will. That's a powerful statement I just made there. <laughs> he says it's a person who's reacting out of emotion instead of out of will. What's the difference? Emotion says, wow, this preacher's making me want to cry. I'll give my life to the Lord. Will says, I've thought about this. That's true. That's worth committing my life to, even if it costs me. Can you see the difference? He says... The, the seed sprung up quickly because there was a shallow root. I'm not against quick obedience, but he says, if you haven't thought it through properly, there's a shallow root. And when trials and the heat of the sun and something comes against you and your friend at work says, are you really a Christian? Or, or a, you meet a guy who's not a Christian and you have to think, oh, do I really want to go out with him? Whatever. Whenever a trial comes, uh, give it up. Why? Because it was all emotion. I'm letting the kids run the car, drive the car. That's the second type of soil. I've got to allow it to be implanted. I've got to th when I hear the word, I've got to say, Lord, I'm choosing now to do this. Not because I feel anything, although feelings are good, but it's because of my will and my mind. My mind and my will have thought about this. 
That's the second type of soil. Is that all right? The third type of soil, he says, there are weeds and thorns growing up with the word. So now we're talking about a period of time where the word has been implanted and it's growing, but there's something else growing with it. And this speaks about a couple of things. It speaks about patience, being willing to wait, and wait, and wait. Hebrews 6, uh, verse, let me just find the verse. Hebrews 6, verse 12, says, I do not want you to be sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So I want to just talk about patience for a second. And then later on in that same chapter, he says, if we have that patience, he says, we have this as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence of God behind the veil. If I've got this stick to itness, this patience that says, I'm in this for the long haul, even if I don't see the fruit, even if that little seed doesn't break through the soil immediately, even if it takes months, years, decades, I'm in this. That's patience. And he says that's an anchor that goes behind the veil. It goes from my soul into the spirit realm and it anchors me sure and steadfast. And it doesn't matter what winds or storms come. I've, I've got a patience in my soul that says I'm in this for the long haul. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. People will persecute you. People will turn against you. It'll be terrible times. And then he said, by your patience, possess your soul. There's something about a Christian that says, I'm taking hold of my soul. Proverbs 25 says, a man who does not rule his spirit is like a city whose walls are broken down. I'm giving you lots of verses here. But he's basically saying, learn to have the stick to itness that says, I'm in this. However long, there's a patience. There's a, I'm in it. I'm possessing my soul. I'm ruling my spirit so that my walls of my city are not broken. You know, when the walls are broken down, anyone can come in. A, a, an enemy can come in and just do what he likes in your life. A temptation comes, you just give in. A, a, an emotion comes, you just go with it. But there's a way to have an anchor that goes into the, into the spirit realm where you say, I'm in this for the long haul. And then the weeds growing up are the other things that come into our lives where we have to forsake other ways, other temptations and other ways of life. I've seen Christians who are blessed, who are anointed, who have the spirit and the power of God in them, who have great gifts and great abilities... But there was a sin in their lives or several sins in their lives which they could have given up, but they chose not to. They said, I'm going to live with this sin. I'm going to live with this sexual sin. I'm going to commit this other sin. I'm going to, I'm going to compromise in this area. And it was a weed that grew up. And you know what happened? They became fruitless. I, I, I've seen so many who I thought this person is going to go into great things for the Lord, but they didn't deal with that weed and as a result, they're just nowhere now. They may still be Christians, but their soul has never grown beyond maybe a seven or a nine-year-old child. They just, there's no maturity, and so the power of God can't flow through them. And then the fourth soil. He says, those with a noble and good heart. Let me just read it to you. But the one who fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it 
and bear fruit with patience. And then I've just got one more point on this soil and seed one. And that is, do you shrink back or do you aggressively go forward? Yesterday I was watching the ladies Australian Open tennis final. Did any, anybody watch it? Maria Sharapova was playing Serena Williams. And Maria Sharapova has lost the last 15 times they've played against each other. And she was playing and she was down. It was match point. She was serving, but it was match point where if she lost this point, Serena would win the whole match. And I watched this and I looked at her and I thought, is she going to shrink back? By shrink back, I mean, is she going to play conservative and safe? Is she going to do a soft serve? Is she going to do the safe shot that goes in? Or is she going to just let it rip and just be aggressive and go for every shot, even at the risk of it going out? Which one is she going to do? And she was aggressive. And as a result, she saved the break point and she saved the, the thing. Eventually, she lost the match, but she went down fighting. And it reminded me of this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. It says, therefore... Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Confidence means I'm, I'm going forward. I'm not shy and retiring. I'm going for something. He says, for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now the just will live by faith. But if anyone draws back or shrinks back or is reticent or scared, my soul has no pleasure in him. Then listen to verse 39. But we are not of those who draw back and are destroyed. But we are of those who believe and save their souls. Just listen to that. He says, it's possible for you to be reticent, to be shy. You know, the, the normal human reaction when I'm faced with danger is to draw back and be conservative. Because then I think I'll save myself. If I'm near the edge of a cliff, I go, oh, because I think I'll save myself. In the spiritual realm, if I draw back, I'm destroyed. And if I step forward, I save myself. Isn't that interesting? In the spiritual realm, it's the opposite. He says, if you shrink back, you're destroyed. If you step forward and believe in faith and you say, I'm going to give this money, even though it's a stretch. I'm going to witness to this person. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to go on this trip to preach the gospel. I'm going to do something for the Lord. If I step forward in, um, in obedience then I save my soul. And so the last point on this soil illustration is that if I shrink back, if I choose to be a, a reticent Christian, if I choose to not go to life group anymore, if I choose to go backwards, backwards, let me protect, let me protect, he says you will be destroyed. That Not that you'll lose your salvation, but your soul will stop developing and the power of God will not flow through. But if I always move forward. I'm either moving forward or moving backwards. When I think I'm standing still and just being safe, I'm actually moving backwards. I've got to be going forward. It's like in rugby. If a guy runs very fast with the ball, he's harder to tackle. If he jogs along quietly, the opposition will tackle him every time. It's the same in Christianity. If I'm not going forward, then I'm going backwards and my soul will not be developed and the Word of God will not bear fruit. Right, I'm going to close now. With the Lord's my shepherd. I wonder if we could, maybe we could just play some music. Andy, would you mind just playing something? Maybe if we got some music, guys. Maybe the music team could come up. We're going to go into worship in a moment. And I'm going to ask you guys to make this a bit of an exercise in 
in using your will and your mind to overcome your emotions. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me, we're going to read through Psalm 23. And we're going to use this as an example and as a tool to help us develop our souls. So let's just focus on the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the shepherd of my soul. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're a loving shepherd, that you care about my soul, that you don't leave it all up to me, but that I do have a part to play. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you care so much today about the condition, the maturity, the state of my soul right now. Lord Jesus, I want my soul to be developed. I want you to be my shepherd. Lord, I want to put myself like a sheep in your flock, in your sheepfold. I want to say I'm one of yours. Please, Lord, would you lead me and would you guide me? Friend, if that's your prayer, please tie your heart around that prayer today. Say, Lord, I want you to be the shepherd of my soul. I don't want to remain as an immature, childish Christian. Lord, I thank you for saving my spirit and that I'm going to heaven. But I pray, Lord, that I would be able to have the blessing and the benefit of heaven in this life. Not just to wait for heaven. I pray, Lord, that you would renew my mind. That you would strengthen my will. That you would save my emotions, Lord. I pray that I would become a mature, full Christian in my heart and my mind. I pray, Lord, that my character would be like Jesus' character. That the fruit of the Spirit would abound. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord God, make my soul like Jesus. Help me, Lord. So folks, just please focus on the Lord while I read these words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Who's your shepherd? Is it yourself? Is it your parents? Is it your peers and friends? Is it your boss? Or is the Lord the one who guides and looks after your life? He then says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. <laughs> How wonderful is that? He gives me the food. Sheep need green pastures. He makes me to lie down in places where I get the food of the Word of God. Lord, I want that. I want your Word, Lord, every day. I want to receive the seed of your word so that it can change my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead me in green pastures. It says he makes me, he leads me beside still waters where there's the, the spirit of God, the, the power of God, the worship atmosphere of God. Lord, I want to be in those pastures and those green pastures and beside those quiet waters. And I thank you for it. And then it says he restores my soul. Lord God, here's my soul. Please restore it. Please make it what you want it to be. Mature, steadfast, strong, grown up, full of your character and life. Lord. It says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Just think about the paths that you're on and the paths that you're planning to walk on. Maybe it's in job decisions. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's financial decisions. Maybe it's how you spend your time. Think about the paths that you're planning to walk on. We often pray, Lord, please guide my paths. He says, I guide your paths 
through your mind and your will. I speak to your mind and your will. You make decisions and they are paths of righteousness. If the path that you're planning on is not in line with what I say is right for you, then it's not the path that I'm leading you on. And you can cry out to God to save you and He might rescue you, but His plan is for you to walk by your choice in a path of righteousness. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord God, you are my shepherd, and I thank you that no matter how bad and, and hot the environment around me gets, no matter how difficult it is, your stick to beat the enemy and your stick to guide me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You will keep me safe. No matter how bad it looks, even when choosing your way seems to take me into hot water, through the valley of the shadow of death, I trust you, God. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even though there's enemies around me trying to get me when I'm serving the Lord, He prepares more than enough provision and blessing for you if you walk with Him as your shepherd. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This oil of the Spirit that's inside of you will run over into your soul, into your body, into your life if the Lord is your shepherd. And then lastly, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The shepherd is leading me, but goodness and mercy are following me. I can't escape from God's goodness and mercy. He just chases after me. His goodness and His forgiveness and His mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So friends, the question I'm asking you now, as you focus on the Lord, is, is God your shepherd? Is He your shepherd? Are you willing to commit to this process? Not, not this instant miracle of salvation. This process of the shepherd guiding you in paths of righteousness, beside quiet waters, in green pastures, through valley of shadow of death, through all of these circumstances. Are you willing to say, God, you are my shepherd. I'm not the boss of my life anymore. You are Lord. It's a decision of your will. It's not because I've made this an emotional appeal. It's because you say, I've thought about this. I know this is true. I commit. I put a deep root down and I'm saying, Lord, I'm committed to my soul being shepherded by you and developed by you all the days of my life. If that's you, just make that commitment today. If you say in your heart, yes, Lord, you are my shepherd, that's what you're committing to. And you'll remember this day. It's a bit like a wedding day where you write in, in a calendar the, diary, the date of your wedding anniversary. This is the date that you committed to, to make the Lord your shepherd and for Him to, to change your soul and to help you to grow up. Lord, I want this for me for today. The 1st of February. It's a date I can remember. The 1st of February 2015 is the date I committed to my soul being developed as you want it to be developed. I don't want to be a pretentious little child just running after my own ways anymore, God. Train me, Lord. Guide me, O shepherd of my soul. In your paths of righteousness, I pray. 
Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.